and welcome to Alzheimer's Speaks Radio. I'm your host, Lori LeBay, and I'm so excited that you're joining us today. We are going to have a fascinating conversation, as usual, as we learn from people all around the world at all ages and stages of life. Stay tuned as we shift our dementia care from crisis to comfort. Well, hi, everyone, and welcome to Alzheimer Speaks. I'm your host, Lori LeBay, and I'm thrilled you can join us today. We're going to have a very interesting conversation with a professional who's been in the business quite a while. We're going to be talking about aging doesn't have to be stressful, and some days it doesn't feel like that. And so we're going to learn how to plan for your future needs uh, to be able to really reduce the stresses. But before I introduce you to our guest, I always like to give a couple of shout outs. So um, first of all, I want to uh, just let people know if you are local here in Minnesota, on October 10th, I'll be out at Woodbury Artist Senior Living uh, from 4.30 till 6. I'm going to be doing a presentation on Betty the Bald Chicken Lessons in How to Care. It is something free and sponsored by Artist Senior Living. You can call Jana at 651-493-2840 to register to that. We'd love to see you. I also want to remind people to go to alzheimerspeaks.com. There you can click on our free educational resources where you'll find tons of different things that you can tap into. Uh, So please don't hesitate to do that. We can also assist people with um, branding and marketing and uh, keynotes and training, things things of that nature as well. And then very last, I just want to mention Dementia Map, which is our global resource directory. Just go to DementiaMap.com. You'll find scads of information there as well. So with no further ado, let's introduce you to our guest. So Jennifer, I am so excited to have you join us today. You have been one of the pioneers in the industry and you have so much knowledge to be able to share with people. So I'm going to have you, if you don't mind, introduce yourself and then we'll dive a little deeper. Sure. Excellent. Thank you. Uh, My name is Jennifer Prell. I am the president and founder of ElderWorks Educational Services. We are a not-for-profit based in Illinois, helping any older adult, senior or family caregiver who needs um, any type of senior living, care, support, benefits. Uh, We're like guidance counselors almost for seniors. We can help anyone, anywhere. We don't discriminate and we don't say no. So we do get contacted by people all over the world, uh, believe it or not, asking questions and needing help, and we will do our best to help. We're just experts in the Midwest, (laughs) but what are you going to do? Well, you know, but I love how you phrase it, that you're kind of that guidance counselor, because that's just has such a calming, supportive effect um, that we can all relate to. We've all been there and done that. Um, And I can see where people would reach out to you because you're just such a comfortable, knowledgeable entity. And so I thank you for the work that that you're doing. Um, I always ask everybody, you know, have they been personally touched by dementia in your own family and circle of friends? Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, um, unfortunately, yes. Circle of friends and family. My grandmother had dementia. My father has dementia. 
I am my father's daughter, so I'm looking forward to my memory loss when I'm older. Um, hopefully it'll skip me, but I, I'm prepared. I'm a planner, as I told you earlier, Lori. I have planned for most chaos that might happen as I age, and hopefully I can just avoid it. Like, you know, you get the umbrella out just in case it's going to rain and it won't rain because you have the umbrella. I'm hopeful. Well, I love that you're walking your talk, though, you know, that that is something that could happen because so yeah. many people avoid that and go, no, no, it's going to skip a generation or it's going to do whatever. How, you know? do. How do you know? You don't know. You don't know. None of us know. And with no. dementia, you know, there are no boundaries. There are no rules. It it hits whoever the heck it wants to. And we yeah. have to be prepared. So I think that that is really wise. Why don't you tell us why Elder Works is focusing on planning for seniors? What, you know, why did you create the company? Well, I actually created Elder Works because I found a lot of people failing. They were failing at finding the services they really needed. They'd find services, but they weren't really appropriate. They weren't supportive. They didn't give them the emotional support and the structure they needed to move through their their memory loss. And gosh, there's so many different types. Um, dementia and Alzheimer's, as you said, don't discriminate. And when I started ElderWorks, I wanted to provide the dignity and respect they deserve. Just because they have memory loss does not mean they're not good people. doesn't mean that they're not valued or valuable, right? And people get depressed and they get in this, this negative space because they don't think they have options and they do. And so I created ElderWorks so that people could find the right options for them. We're a free service. You want to listen to me? Great. You don't want to listen to me? That's fine too. But you need to hear. You need to listen and you need to absorb the truth because that's all we're going to give you. We're not going to flop things. We're not going to avoid the truth like some family might because they're afraid, right? They're afraid to give someone the truth and they're afraid of the guilt that comes with it. We're, we're a third party. We are a social service. We're here to support people, but give them the truth. Well, I love that non-biased, you know, position because there are so many companies out there that are being paid to refer and families don't really understand that they're not seeing the whole picture. Um, I experienced that even in real estate um, when I was in that for 25 years and I was shocked. I started at a small company and I never considered how much money I was making on any house. And then I went to a big company and I was shocked at how people would prioritize what homes they were going to show their clients based on what they were going to make. Right. And, and then, you know, when I got into this space, I saw the same things happening, that it was really a limited view and that it wasn't always disclosed that there was money exchanging hands for services. Well, don't get me wrong, Lori. We do at ElderWorks, we are funded sometimes by senior communities. When we refer a person into a senior community and they move in, they will fund us. They will provide a stipend. The difference between us and others is that we use the 15% of income we get from those referrals to help the 85% of the other people that we can't get funded on. And we don't discriminate. I don't care if we get paid or not. My team does not care if we get paid or not. The difference is we need to pay for the lights and that helps pay for the lights. That helps pay for the employees. So the employees can be neutral parties. Mm -hmm. uh, but yes, we do not um, 
only refer just because of income. We would never, ever do that. Okay. Well, that's, that's wonderful to hear. Yeah. Um, How do families figure out what kind of like housing they need and what options are even available? Is that something that you really guide people through? hundred percent. We, our team tours often. So we know every, we know every single senior community in, in like mid Illinois North, right? We know them all. We know who's good at what we know, who's really good at memory loss and, and supportive dementia and Alzheimer's. We know who's um, trying to be good at it and is not really there yet. And then we have those who say they're good at it and they really aren't. And when you're looking at any type of community, doesn't matter if it's for, you know, memory loss or standard assisted living or independent living, you have to look at the whole picture for the person. So for instance, if I was looking housing for you, let's say, Lori, I would take you with the whole person, who you are now, who you used to be, and what your abilities currently are, and what they can be. So how much support do you need? What kind of meals do you like? What kind of building would be best for you? What kind of location? Do you like urban setting? Do you like a suburban setting? Do you like flowers and trees and birds? Or do you prefer more of the loud, noisy trains in the background kind of setting? Because everybody's different, right? And then you take all the information, your personal needs, your your budget, because honestly, everybody's budget's different and we're going to accommodate you as best as we can. We're going to try to be nearest to the person who actually sees you the most, which child sees you the most, which child are we trying to avoid? You know, some people say they want to live by their doctors. Uh, I don't know. The doctor's not going to take you to the opera. The doctor's not going to visit you unless you're sick, right? You really need that loving support. So you really need to be by your loved one. So we take the whole person. It's, you know, it's not just, oh, here's a building. They help you with memory loss. Go there. It's not, it's not appropriate. So when you are touring, don't just look at the lights and the chandeliers and the pretty paintings and things like that. Look at the care. How long have the employees worked there? Um, what kind of activities are scheduled throughout the day? Would your loved one like those activities? Do they add activities based on the people moving in? Which is huge because if it's just bingo and it's just watching TV or the nature channel, that's not really stimulating. What kind of reminiscence are they providing? What kind of support of the person, right? So that's that's how I would suggest you tour. And then make notes, lots of notes, because when you tour, you're going to get crazy busy in your brain trying to remember it all. So write it down, make your notes. I think that's great advice. When I sold real estate, I specialized in this. And so I would take people out and I do a lot of tours and and things. And, you know, you, you mentioned several different things. One was family dynamics of being closest to who actually sees you. And so often I would see people go, well, I'm going to move, you know, the kids are telling me I need to move by so and so. And I almost never saw that really work, you know, Mm -hmm. because the kids picked it, but the kids never adjusted their schedule to incorporate the parents. And so now the parents left their friends, their community, their doctors, everything. And they're sitting there going, where's my kids? And they're just feeling lost. And then they get depressed. And, and uh, so really know, everyone has to be really honest at right. what is possible because just because it sounds good, it, it's got to be doable too, right. Uh, right. you know, on everyone's hand. And then when you had talked about being close to doctors, you know, especially people with dementia, 
you know, I know this with my own mom, you know, where she moved to pretty soon she we transferred her seeing their doctor who was on site because it mm-hmm. was easier and less stressful. Yep. So and I think that that's something that people don't always understand. That was a, a massive, massive help because as she progressed, she would get so stressed and so wound up about going to the doctor and then getting the dates and times confused. Yeah. We, you know, we had to tell her at the very end where before we could tell her a couple of weeks, you know, early, and then it got down to two days. And then it's like, nope, she'll find out when we're there to pick her up and bring her in because, <laughs> because it was too stressful. And then it just, yeah. even that got too much. So I think that that's really important. And a lot of times people don't know that there's an in-house doctor that comes and visits and they have such good rapport mm-hmm. with who's caring for them too. There's more, I found it much more consistent, which was nice um, as far as care. And then I loved when you said, and look at the activities and then go, is this appropriate for my person? Exactly. <laughs> because some <laughs> of them just are not. Um, yeah. And and then you you have to be honest with those um, and say, you know, what else is there or how are they going to engage or do they understand that your person has never been a social butterfly and has been more of an introvert? And will they let them be an introvert Exactly. instead of dragging them into situations where they've never felt comfortable? No, and then they'll be more stressed, which is really not productive. <laughs> yep. And more stress creates more symptoms and you know, more reactions that people then want to control. And and I mean, Mm -hmm. it's it's into this, this whole spiral. So it really is about understanding that that whole person. Do you um, and again, I'm going back to my real estate days, but do you help people in terms of figuring out their assets? Because one of the things I found was a lot of times they're sitting on a house, and they're not taking that asset into consideration in terms of playing it forward for payments and things like that. And they're like, well, we can't afford it. We can't afford it. And it's like, well, you know, you have to, you have to look at this in a realistic way in terms of, and maybe a spouse is still going to live in the house and that's not going to be something that they can leverage at the time. But, you know, and then comparing apples to apples between communities. I think people have a really difficult time because they seem to be so often in a daze and they just listen to whatever they're told. Right. And then, and then, like you said, they get really confused if they're not taking notes. Well, the thing is with the money side, you have to figure, you have to look at the age they currently are at, like first early onset versus later stages. Correct. So if they're, 70 years old and they're diagnosed with Alzheimer's and it's, and they just got, they they could live 15 years. So you have to plan for 15 years, right? If it's dementia, they could live a lot longer because dementia there, you know, there's hundreds of reasons you can get dementia, which is just memory loss of some kind. And it's just got to be diagnosed, but dementia just means memory loss. And does that mean you're going to die right away? No, you could live to a hundred. So you have to look at the person, how healthy they are physically, how healthy they are mentally, and then guesstimate how many years you think this person will live. It's kind of a morbid way to think, but you have to, because everyone lives and everyone dies and you have to figure out something so that you can guide yourself. Yes, your house is typically your biggest asset. If you are um, moving by yourself or with your spouse to senior community, it's pretty easy to figure out your assets. Every, you know, your house, your 
uh, personal investments, your IRA, it's all of that, your veterans benefits. If you are married and one person's well and one's not, then it's a little more difficult. So you have to the house, the car, stay with the well spouse. And then the person that does need to move to a memory care community, they um, get to use the joint, the money and joint tenancy, right? So you have to figure out what that is. If they don't have any money, then you have to look at the Medicaid options. And it's very difficult to go straight into um, any, any facility with no income. So if you don't have any assets or income, you're going to be going into a skilled nursing facility, also known as a nursing home. And at that point, we're going to try to find you the best place in the worst case scenario. Okay. If you have funds, your world opens up. It's, it's terrible, but it's true. Um, the more money you have, the better care you get. It's just how life is. Uh, memory loss is not cheap. It's about anywhere from $5,000 to $20,000 per month for your care. So we have to take all of that into account. Yeah. And, you know, a couple of things I just, I just want to um, touch on it was you had said, you know, the average lifespan is 15 years and it used to be, you know, people were told five to seven. My mom personally lived, you know, 30 with, wow, that's amazing. And her, in her mid fifties till her mid eighties. And we are seeing more and more people living longer. Like I can, I can name several people just off the top of my head who have, who are, who have lived 15 years already, and they're still able to zoom and be part of groups Mm -hmm. and things. So I think we're going to see that lifespan longer, especially as people get diagnosed earlier. And then, you know, as far as the difference between Alzheimer's and dementia, I would just say that you know, dementia is way more than just memory loss because different types of dementia have different symptoms. So if someone's got like Parkinsonians, you know, they may have real mobility issues and the shaking and things like that, that is going to be something that's going to have to be handled. You've got somebody with frontal temporal lobe who might have um, personality changes and behavioral outbursts. Um, somebody with Lewy body who's going to have possibly night terrors and hallucinations, um, swings in body temperature, swings in, hey, they, like you and I, and then all of a sudden they're down for the count for three days and can't function. So there's lots of different um, different things. And so trying to get a good diagnosis, I think, is really important. But I also want to let our audience know it's very difficult because it changes. And so a lot of people, when I got into this in 2009, were diagnosed with Alzheimer's, then they were changed to, no, you just have mild cognitive impairment. And they go, there's nothing mild about this. You know what you're talking about? Yeah. And then all of a sudden they had Louie body and some people have two or three different types of dementias. Um, My mom, we were always told it was Alzheimer's, but we did have her brain autopsied. And at the end, um, the autopsy came back, Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, and Lewy body. Um, and, and so, you know, I- That's a mess. That's very messy. Yeah. And so I'm going to put a plug in that those autopsies are really helpful, you know, for our researchers, but there's so many facets. And, um, and again, do you encourage them to ask what kind of training they have for their staff? Oh, 100 100%. In Illinois, IDPH, the Illinois Department of Public Health, 
has required anyone who works with a person with dementia, they have to get dementia training. DNAs, nurses, doctors, um, pretty much anyone who interacts with a person with dementia. So that's fabulous. I don't know if it's in every state, but it is in Illinois. Um, we're also working on getting the first responders some training. And that's, uh, we're going to be coming out with new training next year for our first responders in Illinois so that they can understand how to interact with a person with dementia versus being fearful of them and maybe causing more harm. As you know, it's it's not easy sometimes working with people with dementia because you don't understand it and you just think they're on drugs or or something's wrong and then you're fearful and then something happens. And I, I don't want to get into that, but we want to make better outcomes. <laughs> That's yeah. our goal, you know? Yeah. So. Well, and I think one of the good questions to ask, you know, if you're asking about training too, as a family is what type of training are they getting? Because there's a big difference between getting kind of book smart and statistics in person versus book. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And and actually knowing how to interact and stuff um, has a big impact. And like Mm -hmm. you said, checking on that staffing in terms of turnover and how long people have been there and not just the direct care, but the nursing staff, the management, the sales reps, all of that stuff will give you a really good idea on stability because without that consistency of care is going to be much, much more difficult. 100%. 100%. Training is hugely important. Continuous training, not just train one and done. Continuous training on how to work with a person with dementia is important. There's also when someone's living at home with a person with dementia, they might want to get some counseling and training on how to interact as well, because we don't want um, any type of uh, abuse to happen because of a lack of understanding. So that's important as well. Um, and the home care providers we refer for someone with cognitive impairment or memory loss, they're also trained specifically for those types of interactions. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-494-8310. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-494-8310. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-494-8310. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Wonderful. Mm-hmm. Well, if you just t- tuned in, we are talking with Jeff- Jennifer Pearl, who is the president and founder of ElderWorks Educational Services. And we've been discussing why aging doesn't have to be stressful and really giving you some tips on planning ahead. And you can always, you know, rewind and make sure that you, you check out the beginning of this. But, you know, go to her website, ElderWorks, and that's um, W-E-R-K-S dot org. You can always call them at 855-462-0100. They're also on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter as well. And, um, you know, up next, we are going to be talking more of some of the challenges to tackle. And what do you do if you 
think your parents or relatives or friends aren't doing quite as well as they should. And again, uh, why it's important not only to know their abilities, because it's really easy to focus on them, but also knowing about your own, uh, you know, capabilities. I think so often we overlook that. (laughs) And it's always easier to point out somebody else's (laughs) issues versus, (laughs) versus our own on that. So um, I would like to ask you next, Jennifer, you know, what do you do? You know, what do you recommend? Let's say, you know, I'm, I'm dealing with my folks and maybe I'm coming home for the holidays and I, I get there and go, oh boy, something's changed. You know, the house isn't the way it is. You know, mom or dad's repeating themselves. Um, the mail seems to be piled up on the table. I'm not sure if bills are being paid, but these little red flags are starting to appear. Well, it's a huge, huge open-ended conversation here. So if you do go home and you find if your mom and or dad has has changed and not, and not in a better way, okay, they're not eating right, their house is becoming a little bit more messy, um, it really depends on where you are with your loved ones. So for instance, if you have had open conversations with your parents, you've planned well, and you prepared for changes like this, then you should already know what they want for their future. The problem is most people don't talk to their children. So if you go home and you've never had a conversation with your parents about what their wants and needs are as they age, it's probably better to do it then, right then. And if they can't have an honest and open conversation, maybe bring in the clergy, maybe bring in someone who they trust, their doctor, and say, look, there are some changes. We really need to have you go see this person and have a conversation. And if they're really not open to it, then do it for, you know, white lies are okay. We're going to go to church Sunday. We're going to see the pastor. We're going to see the priest. Um, I haven't seen him in a while. I just want to go see him. And I know you see him all the time. So let's go have, let's go sit down, have coffee make a reason to go see someone they respect so you can have a candid conversation or they can have a candid conversation and make sure that that person that you're meeting with understands why you're going so they can support the conversation the correct way. The worst thing you can do is go in unplanned and then figure out that the the person you're going to bring in, the priest or whomever, is on your side. They may not be. They may not see what you see. So you need to give them the reasons why so that they can assess. Now, if you go in and and your parent is really not cognitively with it, the first thing you do is go see your general practitioner, your geriatrician or your doctor, whomever that doctor is, your mom's doctor. You go make an appointment and you get tested for a UTI, urinary tract infection, because those can skew your brain and make it seem like you have Alzheimer's. And it's just an infection that that can get cleaned up. When it's cleaned up, it's fine. If it's not a UTI and the doctor thinks there's more to it, they will probably schedule uh, um, some sort of doctor, a psychologist or a neuropsychologist or someone to evaluate the brain so that your mom and or dad can know what's going on with them and then plan for their future or if they're further along so that you can now take over as power of attorney and get them the help they need. Hopefully you have power of attorney in place. If you do not have power of attorney in place, you are now going to have to go through emergency guardianship with an elder law attorney or your 
preferred attorney so that you can make sure that your mom or dad can get the care they need. Um, if you don't have a power of attorney for health care and property in place, you're going to be swimming upstream. It's going to be difficult. It's going to be stressful. And you have to prepare for that. And if you're not the person to do it and you have siblings who are more prepared to do it, ask them for help. Asking for help is the hardest thing that we found anybody can do. People don't ask for help. They just flail. They, they just, they think. They, they don't understand why they're not going, oh my God, help, help me, help me. Everybody should ask for help. Yeah, it's, uh, well, there's a, such a stigma in society of asking for help. And there's also a stigma in terms of family dynamics of who should be in charge. And I'll use my own family as an example. I was very, very close to my folks. My brothers weren't near as close as I was. So they picked me to be power of attorney and the whole, you know, nine yards. Um, my older brother was very upset. He was the oldest. He was the eldest. That was his role. And yet he didn't really know my parents. I mean, not on the level that you need to know them to help them through those decisions right. of what quality of life is. And, and you have to be. You have to be emotionally open to have those conversations too, which a lot of people struggle with um, so often. I also loved when you you talked about, what do I have here? Um, the need to know um, and, and say what is understood when you're bringing them to meet with maybe the clergy or a friend, because, oh yeah, they can sabotage you in two seconds. <laughs> <laughs> We've had it happen so many times. We're like, oh my gosh, why did they say this? <laughs> yeah. And so the, you need to really kind of have your list of, gosh, I just came home. We weren't seeing this before, but it's pretty evident now. Have you seen this? And I think sometimes when we have our those discussions with our folks or our friends or our relatives, a lot of times people go, oh, I heard her say we have to have this discussion. And they take it on as I have to control everything and they, they don't have any options. And think about how you would feel if somebody came into your life like that. I mean, we have to be conscious of, in in my opinion, anyways, of mm -hmm. including them. And that can be really difficult yeah. and scary and slow things down when you're like, I'm on limited time. And but then again, that gets into your abilities yeah. and and stuff. Um, and then you had talked, you'd mentioned the UTIs which I know for myself, I knew nothing about. My mom was uh, living and she actually ended up living in a nursing home. And I remember going to visit her one day and she's in her wheelchair and her eyes are like rolling back in her head. And I thought they had just over medicated her. And I go stomping up to the nurse's station and they're like, oh, she's probably got a UTI. And I'm like, no way is that a UTI? I know what a UTI is like, you know, and I'm because it's different in them than it is for what we have, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. very different. And sure enough, it was a UTI. She got a medication. Boom. She was back to normal. Everything was okay. But you don't know what that is going to look like on so many different levels. I've seen so many different symptoms over the years um, with that. And like you said, sometimes it can just be brain fog and being tired. Sometimes it can be behavioral. Sometimes mm -hmm. it can just be totally like almost unconscious, you know, if, depending on where that infection is at. And so to me, that is like a number one thing. And I'm going to throw in another thing that I have um, learned over the years is don't 
don't just tell the doctor, okay, she's done taking her medications and let it go. I, I always recommend people, and again, I'm not a nurse, but I've, I've heard so many people say this, and nurses recommend this, ask the doctor to take another test. Absolutely. Because if the infection's not gone, it's going to come back with a vengeance. And then, you know, you risk that. Um, septic. They can go septic. Yeah. yeah. Sepsis yeah, and, is terrible. Yeah. It, not only septic, <laughs> but also they start getting antibiotic resistant when we oh, yeah. let it too too far, which can be really dangerous. I too. do have a tip. Mm-hmm. Here's a tip for everybody who's listening. If your loved one does get assistance with cleanup after going to the restroom, install a bidet. If you can install a bidet at home or in the nursing home, or the assisted living, wherever they're living, bidets will save you so much drama. It cleans you up and it also helps with UTIs because sometimes we don't wipe well. And if it's we're doing it ourselves or we get help sometimes, it's just remnants going up into your stream. If you have a bidet, you are clean and your CNAs will love you. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I'll throw in an, another tip too, um, a, a product. And I don't know if you've heard of this, but um, Seni for incontinence. If people, uh, the, their product, I, I've i interviewed so many people who use this from home health care to um, individuals themselves and communities. And they say it's like night and day because it wicks away and uh, there's just, it's got leak guards. It reduces the stress of, of um, so many levels and those skin breakdowns and things like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Making sure that you have good product and, and understand how to use it as well. Otherwise, Absolutely. you're causing more problems. <laughs> they, exactly. Exactly. I did not um, even know about that one. Thank you for sharing. Oh, absolutely fabulous. And you can get um, free. Um, they'll usually send you out free samples too, to make sure that you're getting the correct sizes. And yeah, they're, they're absolutely wonderful. Um, another question I wanted to ask you was, and I mentioned this in the beginning, uh, before we kind of came into the second section about analyzing your own capabilities. I, people don't even know what to analyze. You know, because they're in crisis mode. (laughs) Yeah, they're just trying to find a solution, right? Yeah. Yeah. So what should they be looking at? Well, it depends what we're looking at in in general. So, for instance, I'm not a caregiver. I know I'm not a caregiver. I have the patience of a nap. Do you think I could take care of my parents, especially when they're not listening to me because they can't listen to three, four, five, six, seven, ten directions at once? No, I would be crazy. They would be upset. It would be a nightmare. So when you're trying to figure things out, what are your abilities? And never take things personally. So for instance, you were talking about power of attorney and power struggles in families. Oh yeah, oh yeah, three, four, five, six, seven children, you're gonna get dynamics. You have to make sure your parents set everything up for success. The person they want to be the power of attorney or persons, they have to tell the children why. We have chosen Bobby to be the power of attorney for for property because he's very good at putting down the numbers and being fiscally responsible. And we know he won't get stressed trying to track every single dollar spent because he has to make sure it's documented. And I don't think anyone else here would enjoy it. So that's why we chose Bobby. And we chose Lisa for healthcare because we know Lisa will not have a problem doing what she needs to do on our behalf. So it, our our living will our, is is has been handed to her. She knows what we want. She's able to do that. She won't become 
too emotional to not be able to fulfill our needs. These are the reasons why. The parents have to communicate. It's got nothing to do with age. It has nothing to do with the, the birth order. It has everything to do with your abilities. And don't take it personally. It is not personal. This is a, a, a huge decision by the persons appointing them. And it's a huge decision to accept the appointment. It is stressful. No one wants to be an executor. No one wants to be a power of attorney. It is not fun. These are not fun jobs, guys. <laughs> we prefer not to do it. But guess what? I am the most structured person in my family. I will not make an emotional decision. All decisions will be based on fact in my world. And that is why I was appointed by my parents as power of attorney and the executor, because I will always do what's right. And they get that. And my sister and brother get that. And they're okay with it because why? We, they had the conversation with them. My parents talked to them and told them the why. If you tell the people the why, maybe they'll understand more and be less combative when the need arises. Yeah, it's it's interesting. And I would also add to have um, an elder attorney that really knows all the little things that can creep up <laughs> and mm -hmm. pop in and need to be dealt with. I remember going um, with my folks to bring them to the attorney. And the attorney was actually a, a very good friend of mine. She's like the top attorney in, in Minnesota. And she said, Laura, you need to leave the room now. I need to talk to your folks. And my my folks' eyeballs just got huge. Like, no, <laughs> she she has to stay. And she's like, no, she needs to leave the room. We have to talk turkey about each one of your kids and their yeah. spouses or potentials. Um, spouses, you know, are they are they addicts? You know, are they yeah. gamblers? Are they, you know, all kinds of different things? What kind of person are they? What kind of person is their spouse? What, what are the odds of them getting divorced? Because that could affect some of this stuff too. And I ended up staying because they said, Lori knows everything. And, and they were, they just weren't going to do it without me being in the room. So it was really interesting for me to be able to be in on that conversation. And I was so thankful that Chris was so direct about all these potential things that people overlook. Because mm -hmm. a lot of times people will say, well, I'm going to have them do it because I don't want to get in an argument with them because I know they're not going to like this. So I'm just going to let them do that. But if they're not a good match. Um, so like with with Chris, uh, the attorney, she was so funny. She said, I'm just going to give you a little example. She's like, I was kind of a wild child. My parents always still see me as the wild child. I'm an attorney. I'm one of the best elder attorneys in Minnesota. And yet my dad did not trust me because he still saw me as, as, a child. The, yeah. as the wild child. Yeah. And she said, you know, we laugh about that now, but that was really a struggle in their family. And there's, there's those family dynamics and roles that people play. And I remember as she was talking with my folks through all this and Who's, who's the most stable? Who's the most compassionate? Who knows you the best? Blah, 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 blah. And so they, you know, they picked me for power of attorney and said, well, Lori just knows us. You know, we've stayed with her. She, she's, she's always the one checking on us. You know, we know that she'll, she'll care for us well. And then I know it came to the time of, well, who, who would you like to pull the plug? And yeah. they said, Mark, 
Mark won't have a problem with that. <laughs> Scott and Lori will have a problem with that. But Mark can be the one if that decision <laughs> needs to be made. And right. so it was, it was really interesting how everything unfolded and, um, you know, how they made their decisions and stuff. And yet it was still a struggle. They talked about it, but I don't think as directly as what you're recommending, which I think would have been helpful, um, though I think there still would have been hurt feelings over that because again their personal beliefs like for my older brother was this is my role this is what people expect me to do because I'm the oldest and yet that isn't going to be the best match right for them and so um but I think we get into those judgment roles a lot and and we take on roles even if we don't feel comfortable with them because it's the right thing to do or, or you're the only person for that position. Exactly. And then there are families that don't get along at all. Yeah. And then that's a whole nother dynamic. Oh, gosh. You, yeah, I can't even talk about I've got a few cases I'm working on now. They're nasty, nasty. They're not so fun. Well, and sometimes you have to hire an outside person to do some things because right. it's just so dysfunctional. Well, you mentioned it. The elder law attorney is, that's your right pocket. Put them in your right pocket. They're there for you. Elder law attorneys yeah. are wonderful. They're supposed to make sure that you're not being manipulated by your mm-hmm. adult children, that there's not undue influence by your adult children in your decision-making, because this is a financial transaction. A lot of it's financial, and they want to make sure that everything is done for the right reasons. That is their job. And that is why your attorney was so valuable to you, Lori, because your yep. attorney did her job perfectly. Yeah. Well, there and there are times when when families try to undo what the attorneys have done. And I'll I'll give an example. Um, and this was actually in my own family. So um, my older brother was not happy that I had power of attorney. And his girlfriend was a paralegal and they had my folks sign a new power of attorney. And we were, I was supposed to be taking my, my parents over to the attorney to find, sign the final paperwork. And we ended up bringing my dad to the hospital and he was in the emergency room. They thought his cancer was back and yada, yada, yada. Well, as my dad's laying there, I'm calling the attorney and she <laughs> She is saying, well, I'll be right down and we'll, we've got to get these papers signed. And, I, and then I told her what happened. And she said, you tell your dad to hang on. <laughs> I am coming right down. I know what his wishes were. I was in that room. Your brother had no right to do that. And um, she got down there and she almost jumped over the gurney when my dad was laying on in the emergency room with my brother and just scolded him and said, that is not cool at all. Um, but it was a, it was a kind of a sneak around thing. And my dad just felt really pressured. I mean, he said that in front of yeah. all of us. Which um, is elder abuse, honestly. Yep. And, and, and I don't think my brother was looking at it necessarily no. in that yeah. light. Right. Um, but it, but those things happen guys. Um, right now I've got several people who are in court with family you know, feuding over things and things that they never in a million years thought would occur because everybody got along and all of a sudden there's money and people get goofy. Oh, they get greedy. 
people get greedy. You don't have to be malicious to be abusive. You don't have to understand that that's what you're doing, but you are. Um, we do try to educate people in what you can and cannot do. And when you're influencing an older adult, especially one with cognition issues, in your way, let's say your way, that can be considered elder abuse, that can be considered financial exploitation, that can be considered a nice little jail cell for you. So think hard. Is this really worth it? Are you really willing to give up all your family so you get what you want? I don't think so, unless you are greedy. Now, I have met greedy people. I have wanted to jump over the gurney and strangle people. Okay. Um, we are, we're working with quite a few people that just don't even see their parents as real humans. They see them as dollar signs that make me sick. And there are all kinds of people, right? And mm -hmm. I, and I know 99% of people are good, especially when it comes to your parents. No one doesn't like their mama. Mama's like mom, right? It's my mama. Now there are, Parents who weren't so nice to their children. So, you know, you can understand some of the dynamic, but it always has to be on the right side of the law. It always has to be on what's right um, ethically mm -hmm. and emotionally. If you can't sleep at night, there's a reason. Yep. I'm going to throw in one other story because I think this is important too for families to understand. Um, and again, this goes back to my real estate days. I was called to go out and sell a house. A, a mom had died. The son was living, had been living with the mom for, I don't know, several years, taking care of her couple other sons. One was an attorney, both were out of state. And this one son, I mean, 24 seven, he was taking care of his mom. Right. He was not allowed to sign at closing because he wasn't power of attorney. The other two boys were, he was at closing he was so hurt and so distraught. And, you know, as a real estate agent, I got blamed for that. And I said, and, and the, the one brother was an attorney and I'm like, can we just all explain legally he can't sign off on these documents, you know, because he's not a party to them. Right. And I ended up removing myself from the room because it got, he was so stressed out. And I thought, okay, I'm gonna let the closer kind of handle this. And and the brothers really weren't compassionate to this other brother at all. They were just there to kind of get their checks. And, and he knew that. And he really wanted closure for his mom, which he didn't get. I mean, he, he did the whole transaction, really, of getting the house prepared to close, you know, the whole, all of that and, and taking care of her for all these years. And he was devastated. He loved his mom. After the closing was done, I went back in the room to talk with the closer and I was sitting in the chair, this gentleman was sitting in, and I look on the ground, and there's a bullet. And he kept reaching kind of for his, his boot, had no idea what was going on. But, you know, these times can really be emotionally stressful. Yes. And, and people need to understand this. Things can, you know, Escalate. can sideways. Yeah. Or can even become deadly. I had uh, one friend where it actually was very deadly in their family because, you know, things weren't communicated and under understood. And sometimes you, you don't know that until it's too late. But I think if we can be compassionate of each other's roles and appreciate what people are doing. Right. And, and matching those skill sets when you had, when we were talking about abilities too, 
a lot of times there'll be things like, you know, well, I'll do the finances and you can do the showers or you can do the laundry or whatever. And you might give somebody, you know, doing the showers, that's just not comfortable with that. And right. if they're not comfortable, your person you're caring for is not comfortable. Right. You know, so having those things match or you give somebody cooking and cleaning and that's not their thing. Um, you have to put, you have to assign tasks by people's abilities. Willingness mm-hmm. does not mean it's their ability. Like you can make me do the accounting, but do you really want me to come on? now? <laughs> <laughs> Good point. Good point. Well, this has been a wonderful conversation. The time's just flown by. Absolutely. Uh, I'm sure people will find this conversation really helpful, Jennifer. So I appreciate you know, all the work that you do with with ElderWorks Educational Services. And I also want to ask our listeners to like, click and share this show. And it's not because I'm a numbers chaser. That's just not me at all. But I want you to join forces with us and be a giver of hope. Pass this information along. It takes no time and it costs you nothing to just share this information with your sphere of influence because you have no idea who needs this information or when they're going to need this information, but people need to know it exists. And so often we don't know what we don't know until we're in the middle of a crisis. And yet it's so much better to get educated before things hit the fan. Um, We all, we all know that. So again, you can go to Jennifer's website, uh, elderworks.org. And that is W E RKS. Uh, they are on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter, or you can call uh, the office at 855-462-0100. Again, thank you so much, everyone. And thank you, Jennifer. Thank you. I appreciate it. It was fun. Hey, everybody. Jared Sebesti, your host of Retire Repurposed. This podcast is dedicated to help people transition into fulfilling and purposeful retirements. Retirement is a big life change. In fact, the two most dangerous years of a person's life are the year they were born and the year they retire. Few people could just flip the switch from working a career 30 or 40 plus years retiring on Friday without methodical steps to living what we call a repurposed retirement. To listen now, search Retire Repurpose on your favorite podcast platform, Senior Resource, or Life Audio.